1: Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Print on Demand cast. Sorry that we're delivering this a smidge late, but as they say, better late than never. So, a new episode coming to you, your host here, Josiah. I was always with my co host, Travis Ross. Travis, it's been a week, lots of crazy things happening, and uh, production manager has a day off today because he's doing the market tomorrow. So, Mm -hmm. lots of plates to keep spinning. How is your Friday going?
0: Uh, this whole week's been really busy. We, uh, me and you, we did the market last night. Um, yep, and uh, so yeah, it's just been lots and lots of uh, irons in the fire, lots of quoting, lots of people asking about things and um, getting ready for those markets. We're still kind of you know, figuring since we do two different markets, we have to do bring two different sets of uh, products, right. and yeah, that you know is a little bit crazy, but I know last week we talked about um how we would share your experience with the market because you hadn't yet done one when we recorded it last time. Yeah. And so this one, this is your chance to kind of share your, um, experience with you did the Louisville market last Saturday. And then again, last night you did the Erie market. So how, how was your experience?
1: Um, it's, I mean, it's a lot of fun. It is very intense, uh, especially like setting up, uh, getting, getting to the market is, half of the battle like getting the products ready and trying to figure out right organization and what products to bring and how much to bring and then how to merchandise it. Cause you're dealing with a very, at least in Louisville is very limited space. And so we mm-hmm. had the tendency to feel kind of crammed. Whereas yet yeah, last night in Erie, there was much more, um, kind of merchandising space for lack of a better term to use, um, which seemed to be a little bit more easier to navigate, but, um, they're a lot of fun. They are a lot, a lot of work. Um, yeah, they are. And not even just not work in the sense of you know standing for for three and a half hours or you know talking to the people and selling the products. The easy part. It's the logistics leading up to it, and then trying to fine tune as you go week to week, cause you, you inevitably you can, you know, the, the, what's the saying? Best, the best laid plans, right? Like you can mm-hmm. have all the, <laughs> all the ideas you want um, in place, but then when it comes to implementation and actually being there, inevitably you will walk away with certain things that worked, certain things that didn't work and having to bring in new ideas to fix the things that didn't work. So, right. There are a lot of fun um, interacting with people kind of being there, but, Um, Yeah, it's been a very um, interesting experience just learning and experiencing the ramp up to that. It's like it's almost one of those things kind of like Q4, like you kind of have to start thinking about it well in advance as far as what you want to do. Because if you were to try, especially doing two markets, if you're trying to do all summer two markets and you're just wanting to start planning four weeks ahead of time, <laughs> it's not going to go very well. There's just a lot of stuff to do, but um, yeah, last night was good and more successful like sales wise last night than it was in Louisville. And there's, mm-hmm. you know, you can pick apart why that is or whether it's because there was more merchandising space. It's a sm- areas a smaller market, less things to go and see and be distracted by, you know, there's mm-hmm. lots of different um, theories or, or right. is, is whatever the plural is on that. And hypotheses, uh, there you is, go. as as to why. Um, but yeah, it was it was really really fun. So I enjoyed. It. How about you? How was you, you? haven't done Lewisville yet, but what'd you think of uh, Erie? You've done Erie twice so far.
0: Yeah, this um, Erie always is a good market for us. Um, I, there's a couple things I think that kind of go into our experiences so far, I think part of it is we bring a lot of stuff and we don't necessarily, yeah, we wouldn't necessarily need to, we could scale back a lot. Um, but we, you know, I think one of the reasons we bring so much stuff is frankly, because take it so excited about, you know, making <laughs> yeah. it all. Um, and we want to do something new because it's a new year. We want to have new designs, which we do. We have a few new products um, and really the new haven't really done as well as our tried and true products. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our laser patch hats, our um, laser long engraved drinkware, yeah, um, has done well. Now putting new new designs on those existing products, um, I think is a good good idea. Yeah. Um, but you know, it all goes back to honestly, the whole reason we do this is yeah, we we basically want to break even and then get a lot of contacts and be out there in the community and you know, just meet people and kind of be top of mind. I mean, I can't tell you how many people, um, have reached out to us as a result of, of doing the markets. And we've already gotten, you know, multiple, uh, business cards from businesses that come by and say, do you do this for businesses? So I know we've, we've talked a lot about that in the past, but, um, but yeah, the erie market was was really good. We were able to really spread out last night. We didn't forget any tables like we did last time, <laughs> and uh so we had you know a really nice display. uh, my wife actually uh was came down last night, and she was just talking about how she was like, I was just amazed at how really nice it looked, you know compared to yeah. to last week, and that last week was because we didn't every we didn't have very many tables. (laughs) Um, and so this week we were able to kind of spread out a little more and maybe space out some of our goods. So, um, so yeah, merchandising is something to really think about how you're going to display all the stuff that you bring, um, when you're doing these markets. But, um, but yeah, we, we, we've talked these markets into, into the ground so let's uh what do you say we move on josiah <laughs> yeah let's go to uh this week's weekly dad joke time for the weekly dad joke
1: all right travis this is a debate for another time but you know there's there's dc and there's marvel there's the two yep. superhero universes both cinematically and comic books and i'm uh, were you ever much of a comic book person as far as like, i was more of- them and kind of nerding out I I was a little bit, but it was more like I was more
0: into like G.I. Joe.
1: uh, OK, I had a
0: little collection and um, but I I never really got into the superhero comic books because I don't know.
1: For whatever reason, I just was more um, attracted to the G.I. Joe ones. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I've never been much of a comic book person, but there is this stigma. Like if you watch the movies and you enjoy the movies, but you're not a comic book nerd, then you don't really understand the canon canonical the canon of it all it's very crazy very very weird thing to be hipster about but anyway the reason i ask uh, is because you know wonder woman and spider-man talking about starting a business kind of crossing those lines of dc and marvel so interesting yeah do you know what do you know what they'll call their business no i have no idea amazon web services And that's this week's <laughs> weekly dad joke. Thought it was, you know, we talked about Amazon a lot. We talked about Amazon last week, so you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: bring it all together. So, as always, feel free to use that at your party, dear listener, and let us know how it goes. Post in the Facebook group and how many eye rolls that you get, because you don't know how often Travis and I actually use these in the wild. Um, it a lot. The <laughs> the, the, uh, the the Hershey one from last week. The chocolate pronouns oh, yeah. uh, Travis used while we were watching Game Three of the Western Conference Finals and the, the the hockey playoffs yeah. uh, to unanimous. Go Avs! By he the way, to go Avs! Go into the Stanley Cup, and uh, I saw the Lightning are up now three two, so the Lightning could be coming back for their third straight appearance. But yeah, the Avalanche are going to stop them. So. Well, go. before
0: we, before we go on with, uh, you know, the main event, we, we talked about a few weeks ago, asking you guys to leave, leave some, uh, reviews on iTunes. Yes. Well, we do that every week Yeah, and, um, a couple of y'all did. Yeah, I did, so wanted to throw out, or, you know, shout out one of them and then maybe shout out another one at a future date, but, um, wanted to shout one out. Yes, uh, I do it. okay. So we've got, um. Ten bagger on on Apple iTunes or I, Apple Apple Podcasts. Yeah, it's always going to be iTunes, iTunes to me. I know. So. Uh, Give us a five star review. Uh, says great material. Just discovered you yesterday. Really terrific show. Great material. I recently opened my own store on Shopify. Do you offer private coaching, or can you remen- ah. recommend someone who does? Um, there are a se- several episodes actually uh, in our. Well, first of all, thank you, Tinbagger, for the five-star review. As far as us offering private coaching, we don't technically offer private coaching. Um, we do have, obviously, our Facebook group where we answer questions whenever they come up and um, in more of an informal way. Um, but we have had several guests on the, in the past um, that have talked about um, have, have talked about they have you know courses and things like that. Um, people like uh, Ryan. Um, yep. How, or her, Ryan, Ryan Hogue, Ryan Hogue. Yep. yep. Um, see if we could figure out his episode. Um, and then I know we also had uh, has another, has a podcast, Adam, Adam yes. uh, Schneider has a, uh, a course now he's specifically talking about how to um, sell using gear bubble, which is a, Print on demand provider, and yep. um, they can automatically list to Amazon and Etsy. And, um, you know, as long as you set it up right, they can automatically do that. I think Ryan's um, stuff is going to be, he's going to have a few more courses that are going to be a little more uh, specific to different marketplaces. He has, he does a lot of um, royalty based print on demand, but he also does uh, a lot of Etsy and Amazon seller fulfilled side. So, um, those are a couple. That we've yeah. had on the, they, the show. And you can uh, also
1: Ryan. Yeah, I was just gonna say you can also 37.
0: 37. Okay. I was gonna say you yeah. can ask in the in the uh, Facebook group if you forget, and we will look them up
1: happily for you. Yep. Yes, awesome. So um, thank you for that shout out. And again, uh, we or thank you for that five-star review rather that we were able mm-hmm. to shout out. And again, please um, leave us five-star reviews. It not only because we like to hear from you guys, but um, algorithmically speaking, uh, with the backend analytics and stuff like that, it definitely helps this content get to the right people. So always, sp- always very appreciated. You speak
0: algorithmically? No, do you? <laughs> I don't Binary? know. You just said algorithmically speaking, and I thought you spoke a second language.
1: Okay. Oh no! Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> so in terms of the algorithm, I don't speak uh... algorithmically um or unless i spoke binary <laughs> like dwight shoot or understood binary <laughs> i'm not too sure um sorry so, for getting that off the rails a little bit no you're kidding. i was like what are you talking about I don't, <laughs> that's a rosetta stone that i didn't know existed so uh with that being said we're going to go into this week's point of interest
0: well howdy partner welcome to the point of interest part of the pod cast to grab your hat and hold on tight because we got some learning to do
1: all right this week the point of interest is something that we have used mm-hmm. pretty frequently in the last i feel like the last handful of months for sure yep. um, we have definitely utilized this but it stalls Max dtf product and We've talked a lot about DTF here on the show. I think it's it was one of our point of interests, probably in season three ish, maybe. Um, where we kind of it was just kind of coming onto the market, kind of making its way into kind of the the lexicon of direct to garment and print on demand. So, for those that don't know, DTF does not mean the thing that you automatically might think that it means if you're a first time <laughs> listener. It stands for direct to. Film. So, Travis, why don't you explain a little bit what DTF is for those who might not be familiar with it. And then we'll kind of talk about the Stalls Ultramax DTF and how we've used it and kind of the ins and outs of, of that particular product.
0: Yeah. So when we were um, at uh, Long Beach, the uh, ISS show, there were so many DTF machines, whereas the previous time I was there, probably two or three years before, I don't remember there being one. There might have been one. It's So it's definitely new. Um there's a lot of different ways you can do it. You can actually do this with a regular DTG machine. You can get a sheet. Basically the idea is that you get a PET film which is basically like it's just a plastic sheet really. Um but it has to be a, spe- a specific kind. And then you're going to basically if you have a DTG machine, you're going to print it backwards. So you're actually going to print the color first, okay? Um and then you're going to put the white on top of that in a very very you're not going to put as much um ink as you would on a garment because obviously there's nothing for it to soak into like in a garment. So you're going to do really light layers of color and a light layer of white. Um, And then once you have printed that, you're going to put a powder on it, which is actually the adhesive and you're literally going to shake it, shake that PET film um, to where that, that um, powder actually kind of coats all of that ink. Then you're going to run that uh, ink through a dryer or a hover press. So you can get some heat, on the um, it's going to crisp or the uh, the powder is going to crystallize and become basically the adhesive for that transfer. When it pops out, you go to a heat press, you can turn it over and you can actually see through the, the transparent film exactly where it needs to go on the shirt. So it's really kind of easy to put on and then you yeah. press it for, you know, 10, 15 seconds or whatever the instructions say, and you peel it off. Most of the time you, you can do a hot peel, which is way better than a cold peel just yes. so you know <laughs> very much uh, yeah um and and then right there you've got you know your full image you didn't have to pre-treat the shirt um so there's you know some benefits there they also yeah. have whole machines that can run on rolls so it'll just roll out these transfers and then you cut them out and all of that which is actually um what you get when you use the stalls ultra max Product, you get a roll, right, Josiah? Because you loved cutting out those last, yeah, three, yeah. Last so, few I did, orders,
1: <laughs> I didn't know that uh, there was that particular um, step, they came like that, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, um, you know, there's been a handful of orders that we've gotten that you know, either people want to order um, shirts that are tri blends, or maybe they want to do something on polyester dominant products. or mm-hmm it's just a really bulk or like a really large order and like in our instance sometimes um it's like well DTG, dtg that itself is is really really cranking as it is and to throw in you know 160 250 shirts is going to backlog everything but these designs right. will work for to film um, because it does full color and and the quality the feel of it is is actually really nice so mm-hmm. they do come in one long roll there was one particular order that we got these four and they show up in a tube and so you have to roll them out and it is just one endless roll of the they don't they don't <laughs> cut it per design it's just goes and goes and goes so depending on what you do understand that you are gonna or how many do you have to do some cutting um, and cutting them out individually um, but that being Did said be mute. yeah <laughs> it's we're recording during business hours and uh, we are Rocking and rolling, and people are calling with questions, and so Travis is actually taking uh, a phone call right now as we speak. So, uh, as I was saying, um, so you'll have to cut those out the long rolls um, and cut them individually to be ready for production. But what I can say is, even though that is a little time intensive, the amount of time that it takes to do that is still going to be less time than it would take to pretreat to print especially if it's front and back or sleeves and like that, these, these work really great for, for sleeve prints. Um, and then we've used them for that as well. So it's a really, really good alternative. If you're wanting to do something, let's say you don't do production in house necessarily, but you do have people that want to place an order for that fundraiser or your church is doing a fundraiser and they need someone that does shirts. They can't find anybody. Um, but with this, you can actually take the art, upload it, and then get it sent to you in full color. And then if you have the blank shirts, if you have access to them, get the blank shirts, you can fulfill the orders. And it's a way to kind of move production in-house as well. I will say um, there are some specifications with the art. So when you're uploading them, there was a couple of designs that we've done in the past that we had to, we uploaded, and the designer, like the in the built-in designer, was let us know there are a few, a few things that were off, and it's not anything that we could figure out how to do, or we couldn't see the problem ourselves. So they do offer design assistance if you need to get your stuff print ready for DTF. I think it's twenty-five dollars uh, a job. Like if they assist you for it, um, it's twenty-five bucks. Um, so if, if it's worth saving you the hassle of trying to figure out what exactly is wrong with the file, if you don't have that kind of uh, ability on Photoshop or Illustrator or, or any of those you know programs, they do offer assistance and uh, I've taken advantage of it a couple of times. So overall, though, uh, it's a $25 minimum order. So that doesn't take a whole lot. Um, and you can upload the art and they'll gang it for you. They'll put as many as they can on a single sheet um, for you. So $25 gets there pretty quickly, Um, but it's just a really, really good alternative to just DTGing a job. Uh, Or like I said, maybe you're not doing production in-house, but you want to bring production in for a specific job or just do a handful of things. You can do that. So um, we're going to put the link in the notes for you. It's stalls.com slash ultracolor dash max dash transfers, which is a very long URL, but we will definitely try and get um, that in the show notes for you as well. So it, it's something to definitely consider and definitely take time to look into because it's it's super beneficial. Um, so, yeah, so Travis, while you were on that phone call, I was just kind of detailing the, the reasons why we had gotten into DTF, why we've brought them in, um, explaining that the time it takes to cut them individually, cut them out is still less than it would probably take to pre-treat. Sure. Print, cure. And then yeah. if you have a sleeve print, you know, and we've used them for, um for various applications full fronts or just sleeve prints but they're super super easy um to do i think it's my favorite thing to do for sleeves because trying to print oh, on yeah. dtg is a chore i don't know right. if, we i don't know if we figured out an easy way to do it on dtg maybe it's just the platen we have but this yeah. saves so much time
0: yeah and it it because it's a sleeve print and it's not you know it's it has a little bit different hand but not enough that you're going to notice it when it's in a different location um, and they look really great. They got full color, you know, so, yeah. um, it's a, it's a, it's a great product to be able to offer. Um, you know, when you get like a bulk type order, yeah. um, it really can save you a lot of
1: money and time if you're just doing DTG. Yep. Absolutely. So anything else I told me to put the link in the show notes, went over the the minimum, uh, $25 minimum for, it, and usually for shipping, it's like $15 for two day. And they said, they did say that if you do place an order between before 12 noon Eastern time, um, it ships next day. And I think shipping's usually around like 15 bucks or less somewhere around there. So depending on what you're doing, but yeah. So look into that, avail yourself of that if you don't know of it already. And uh, if you have, if you do use it, let us know about your experience. We'd love to hear from you um as well. So with that we are going to go into this week's main event. Ladies and gentlemen,
0: the main event.
1: And this week it is going to be part 3, episode 3 in POD 101. Uh, design and organization Which is something you've heard us talk about before I think episode 11 is uh, Another episode we did at the very beginning Of the show that kind of did a deep dive On this particular topic um, But as we stated at the outset of season 4 And remember season 4 was an arbitrary title That we presented, it's kind of like whose line is it anyway The seasons don't really matter It's all the same <laughs> um, So uh, It's actually well,
0: episode 10 Just so you know um, Organizing your season yeah, and we're going to be going oh, okay. over a lot of that in this. Not, not probably as in details we did in
1: episode ten. So, if you like this episode, jump back to episode ten and check that one out. Yes, please do. So, as we said at the outset of season four, is that we kind of wanted to go back and recap some of the very beginnings, um, things that you would need to know when you're entering POD or starting a POD store, or something like that. So. Um, this is good information to to know or to relearn or to rehear or re-listen to, regardless of where you're at in the journey. So last week was episode two. We talked about where you want to sell, deciding where to sell. And we covered places like Amazon, Walmart, Etsy, merch by Amazon, Redbubble squarespace shopify talked about pros and cons of each um, talked about you know organic traffic versus trying having to drive the traffic and so if you're at a point and you're listening to this episode and you, you're not really sure where you want to sell yet or you don't know kind of the pros and cons you can go back to listen la- listen to last week's episode and episode number two is actually the first time that we really talked about deciding where to sell and according to the analytics on anchor which is where we um host this podcast who distributes it episode number two is the number one listened to episode on the show right. um which probably is because it goes very much into a deep dive of what sales channels you want to find because that's that's really important when you're starting out the journey so um you can go back like travis said about episode number 10 as far as getting we won't probably won't get as granular as we did in episode two mm-hmm. uh on episode on last week's episode so go about of of that episode and then, and then we to last week's same thing with this one. Um, so we're going to talk about creating a quality designs and organization. Um, I think Travis, we, we, we have a good friend, Neil, who's been on the show before mm-hmm. yeah. uh, with Merch Informer, who is uh, you know, Merch former is a software where people can kind of find some ideas of things that are being searched for or trending, but other than that, or maybe touch on that a little more, how would you go about, if you're just starting out, finding good design ideas that you think will sell?
0: Oh, man. There's a million ways to find good um, ideas. And um, th- there are some schools of thought on that. Um, there's a, uh, a lot of people will call it um, that. So there's there's copycat which is no, 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 don't do that. Um, where you basically just take somebody else's design and you put it on your listing and your shirt. That's yeah. not cool. That's no, no. Um, now there's there's what's, what they call improve cat <laughs> because cats are good naming. Schemas. I'm allergic to all of these. <laughs> but so the improve cat is somebody who takes, sees a design and goes, oh, I could do better than that. So like this shirt just simply says, this is my favorite t-shirt. It just in text, there's nothing else on it, but maybe you see that and you go, oh, I could improve on that. And I could have like a guy, like a graphic of a guy, you know, standing there wearing a, this is my favorite t-shirt shirt shirt," or something, or, you know, you could improve on the idea of just text. Maybe it's just text, but it's a different font, but it's way cooler font or it's laid out in a different way. Uh, Maybe some graphical things like that. Um, there are some people that, that still say that this is not the best way to go about building a t-shirt business. And I can understand why, um, that there are some pros and cons to that because nothing that you're doing is actually original or yours. And so you're not going to get into a brand. You're not going to be able to ever go to like the licensing show that I went to a few weeks ago and, and like have somebody, kind of uh, you you can't use it beyond these marketplaces really it's not going to unless you i mean you could i guess um do that with a particular niche if you if your brand was like funny t-shirts or something um but that's 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 really challenging. There's a lot of shirts out there, a lot of websites out there that are just funny t-shirts. Yeah. It's very important that you niche down if you want to do a brand. So that's that's really the third way, is that you just completely go um, you know, unique. But to get ideas for these things, I mean, there's a million websites. You mentioned, you know, Merch Informer, which Forever. is gonna take uh, mer- Merch by Amazon listings that are doing well and you can see them and you can see which ones are doing well. You can cross re- reference them across niches and say, Oh, I think when these fonts are used or, you know, you can kind of make some deductions on your own and, and try to figure out, right? Um, you know, why something is selling and why something isn't the second way or, you know, the way we do it, honestly, is we just go to Google and we will, we'll, we'll We'll go to Pinterest. We'll go to Etsy. We'll go to Amazon. We'll just start searching for, let's say, I want to come up with a really cool shirt about axe throwing. Well, I'll Google axe throwing memes, axe throwing t-shirts, axe throwing coffee mugs. And I'm just trying to get ideas. Um, And so as we're going through those things, we're jotting down on a spreadsheet, you know, which, which ones we want to, you know, kind of, redo or or improve on or completely right. do so like um we've done um we've done entire series on we'll find one thing and we'll go oh my gosh this is great i could change the the profession let's say i'm you know uh and i could put on a whole series of these based on just professions yeah. and change the graphics up a little bit on each one maybe to um, so, so there's a lot of different places. I don't know. Did you guys, how did you guys come up with, um, ideas back in your day at what for apparel?
1: Yeah, it was pretty similar to that. As far as a lot of Google searching, uh, we did use merchant former for a little bit as well. Um, but it would be a lot of the same of just kind of like, okay, you know, especially if there was something that was trending or a topic that we thought right. was, was funny, um, just searching it. And even if we found a shirt, um, the idea on a shirt we would probably we would take that and see if, how we could change it a different angle we could take the same kind of pun or joke from or or like hey it's a, it's a lyric pun like um i see a little silhouette of a man from queen from um rhapsody mm-hmm. um there's there's a word pun shirt that has the silhouette holding a lemon or something like that so we were like well what other word puns could we come up with based on lyrics that would be relatable to. So we, you know, just kind of cycle through and jot down some ideas. And so we would take kind of that kernel and see what else we could do with that same concept or that same kind mm-hmm. of twist or joke on, on the idea. Um, and then, and then go from there. So it was a lot of approve upon or take that same concept and then also apply it to, you know, this niche, or how can we kind of take that same joke mm-hmm. and, and make it you know relevant for something different.
0: Yeah. And I'll, I'll say both of us, neither one of us was trying to come up with a brand. We were just no. trying to
1: get as many yeah. things out there
0: as we could. Um, yep. so we, we did probably air on the improved cat,
1: um, <laughs> yes. you know, that, that side of things. For and sure. uh, well, to be fair too, I mean, that was kind of, at least when we were starting out or I was starting out, that was kind of what you were kind of told was, Hey, find what's working and and make make it better. Do something different. Kind of do a variation of. And so, at least when we were first starting starting out, that was kind of the the um, prevailing the approach. Yeah, the prevailing yeah. theory of what was going to work best. But that was because a lot of merch by Amazon and that in its infancy when that stuff's first launching, it was just about getting as much stuff as yeah. you could per your particular cap or particular limit on on the platform. Um, but there wasn't a whole lot of thought around are curating designs to create a brand, if that makes right.
0: sense. At least not in the circles we ran. I mean, I'm, I'm no, sure we're really, yeah. doing, yeah. doing that because there's brands that have been around since we started this. But yeah. um, the, the other thing to, to be really careful about when you're doing these are um, trademarks, Um, yep. you know, copyright rather uh, copyright being like the actual words, what what's being said in this text. Because you'll find a lot of things out there that are violating copyright, um, you know, on Google, and you'll just innocently throw them onto a shirt, <laughs> and then, bam, you know, it gets yeah, you get hit with a copyright infringement claim, and yeah, you can't do anything about it. So there's there's definitely you need to think through that as you're going as you're putting your um, your research. Uh, SOP together. Your standard yeah. operating procedure. So first we look at this, then we put it on here, then we check it against the USPTO.gov database. Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> uh, database and see if this is this phrase, you know, or any part of this phrase is trademarked. Is trademarked. Having yeah. something or uh, copywritten. So having something in there that um, it might not be that website. It might be a different tool, but having something in there that checks copyright is super yeah. important. Yeah, along.
1: Yeah, I think too, like, you know, you can go listen to, you know, my wife Madeline was on the show. Her first Etsy account got shut down because what's it, what's it, Etsy was the wild west for a little bit where, I mean, you can go on Etsy right now and still find stuff that you're like, well, that's directly infringing the friend's right. topic, you know, the IP yep. or whatever. Um, and so uh, just because it's out there on the platform, a platform like Etsy, don't risk it um you know you can get kind of lulled into a false sense of security like well they can't mm-hmm. catch all of us well they can and <laughs> eventually they they might and that's and exactly you know what David you don't try to do that
0: and you don't care if they catch everyone you just care if they catch you
1: right yeah exactly <laughs> so another thing too that, that has been talked about the men i'm like, man, i can't talk what time is it it's friday it's close to beer 30 so the other thing that madeline talked about um, on her episode was a tool. If you, if you're wanting to, to sell on Etsy, e-rank is a really cool tool as well that she started mm-hmm. to implement. Um, talking about design ideas and that's a lit, that's literally just based on data as far as what's being searched the most, as far as a niche and is there competition. And then you can go mm-hmm. in and make a design around that. Madeline has a design that's a snail, but instead of a shell, it's a stack of pancakes. I don't know, <laughs> but she's sold it and it's sold before. And it sells occasion, and so like that kind of stuff is stupid. But because those two, it was a super niche idea. So that's another tool you can use, uh, eRank, um, if you're deciding that the place you want to sell is Etsy. Um, so mm-hmm. from from there, from finding the design ideas, you then have to create the design ideas. And there's a couple different options when you are going to create. You can, of course. Do it yourself, and if you don't have right. Photoshop, I think there's an episode that we did where the point of interest was just free Photoshop alternatives. Mm-hmm. I have to see if I can find that particular episode uh, by searching the podcast feed. But um, there are a lot of things out there. Photo P is one I know. Um, Canva, Pixler, is Canva is incredible. Yeah, very, 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 very versatile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I was actually really surprised when I got into Canva to see how much it can actually do. So, yeah.
0: And I think, I think they have a pro account for 99 bucks a year, which allows you to download anything with a transparent background, which you obviously have to do. Sure. Um, it, to have, you know, to be able to upload and create your mockups and all of that, or upload to Merch by Amazon or Redbubble or wherever. Yeah. Um, you, there are other softwares that will just remove the background, but it's just so much easier if it just kind of comes that way when you download
1: it from the website you designed yeah. it on. It's a, Yeah, it's a, another step out of the process. So episode 28 is where we talked about free Photoshop alternatives, um, where we kind of listed stuff that a lot of it is, is web-based. So you don't necessarily have to download something, you just access it from, from your mm-hmm. browser. Um, but you can do it in-house if that is something you want to do, if you want to give it a shot, if you have experience in design, of course, um, that is an option. But outside of that, there are a lot of options to outsource. Um, and I think one of the things, Travis, that you and I have talked about a lot and one of the things that you and I have implemented frequently and consistently are virtual assistants. Yeah. Um, specifically from um the Philippines. So there's um, you know, people kind of cringe. I don't know if they cringe, but they're just kind of hesitant when you say, Yeah, I have a VA in the Philippines. Um <laughs> there's lots there's lots of assumed things that i think go through people's minds but the thing is the thing to know is that a, a va position in the philippines is really sought after because they get to work from home or from wherever they want yeah. to work from um and so it is a good pay rate for them it's cost effective for us they make a great living they get to work from home
0: mm-hmm. and
1: there are some incredibly incredibly talented and skilled people in every Every, you know, walk of life that you'd want, whether it's, you know, someone to do data entry, whether it's a designer, there's so many in, in, in talented people there. So um, episode 17 is where you can go to an uh, archives to learn more about that as well. But Travis, kind of talk about your experience with VAs and why you think as opposed to maybe a Fiverr and an Upwork, because technically that's, those are the same things. They're also VAs. They're just sure. mostly stateside and this particular website, onlinejobs.ph. Is kind of like a Upwork, but for the Philip for the Philippines. So, kind of maybe yeah. talk about your experience and and why VAs have been so vital to the success of of what we're doing here.
0: Yeah, uh, I've, when I started, I started on Fiverr and um, I found a couple things or a couple people that could do you know the work I needed to do. But most of that you know was inside of Fiverr, so the the worker was never getting the full amount of money. It's the same thing with Upwork. If you hire somebody on Upwork. Per the terms of service, you're supposed to only do business with them through Upwork. So Upwork gets its cut. Um, so Fiverr and, and Upwork kind of do that. Where the where the difference is on onlinejobs.ph, it's it's kind of like just a job board. And so you can negotiate uh, your fees with them and they get all of that. You're going to pay them via PayPal or Payoneer or however else. Um, but they're going to get 100% of that uh, wage that you've you know negotiated with them, and so that's why I like online jobs.ph. We've had as many as ten to fifteen um, VAs at a time working in little spots. So we've we basically broke up our entire SOP from yeah. create from like coming up with a design idea to actually checking it against trademark to actually. Getting it designed to writing up keywords and and titles and descriptions and bullet points, and then actually f- posting them on these different websites. And so we had a whole, um, you know, these people were all des- um, design researchers, and these people were copyright checkers, and these people were designers, and these people, you know, yeah. were the copywriters. And so it just went down, and and all of these jobs these individual designs slash listings were just slowly moving down the pipeline um, until they were um, actually on a platform. And so we did that for a while. And um, I've just had really good luck with um, onlinejobs.ph. I've got yeah. I've talked about this a lot, but I've got um, a couple of really incredible um, administrative VAs. And then we've, um, we've also got a really great graphic designer that's been with us for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, and the cool thing about it is, you know, you you buy that design once and once it sells one time, you're in the black. You know, from then on, yeah, it's all sure. profit. I have, yeah. I have a coffee mug that has sold probably $20,000 worth of revenue that I paid, you know, less than $5 to get designed three or four years ago or five years ago. Um, right and it's made me that much money over time just because it was a good design it's got it's got good seo it's ranked well in search and it's the number one you know coffee mug for that particular niche um
1: yeah.
0: i wish all of them were like that but um you know and some have varying des- varying levels of success but you, that's the cool thing about this whole thing is like you about this whole industry you can do the work one time and yep. then you know uh, it'll pay off for long For a lot of years down the road, if you, um, if you've done it
1: right, you know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, look into that episode seventeen. Utilizing virtual assistants, uh, VAs, and it's also direct to film printing. Is we also talked Mm -hmm. about that as well. So we have highlighted both of those things in this episode as well. So uh, that's when you're going to want to go back and listen to. So once you have the designs, Travis, we've talked about this as well. Organization to the designs. Mm -hmm. Um, something that so incredibly important. And, and to that point, you know, back in the days of what for apparel, it was something that we didn't pay enough attention to. Um, I think we created a system, but as I've said before, there was a failure to kind of forecast, does this system hold up like if we were to just <laughs> inundate and and grow which of course is the is the goal is to scale and to add more does this system work or is mm-hmm. it just a temporary system that's going to be revisit that's going to need to be revisited right. and um, of course the answer to that question was number two and we had to revisit it but it was so hard to implement a system with designs and numbering in the thousands that we already had created and having to retrofit a system yeah. um, that's new and more efficient, but going back and retrofitting everything was a nightmare. So I cannot stress enough the importance of setting a system in place before you even have 10 designs, five designs, just figuring mm. out how you're going to be able to do this and then test it and see if it breaks because you're going to have to revisit it. But there's a couple of different um, uh, uh, schools of thought here as well, Travis, as far as a skew naming naming schema, which for those listening, schema wasn't a typo on the show notes. Uh, I deleted the A, put an E, and Travis was like, it's not scheme, it's schema. And then I had to throw in the Google machine, and it's a thing. It's a scientific (laughs) term. So we're getting really scientific here. And if you've learned anything in the last two years, <laughs> you don't, don't know. question the science. Uh, so, Travis, let's talk about <laughs> SKU naming schemas and uh, the different possibilities of such.
0: Yeah. So, uh,
1: um,
0: Josiah already talked about how important it is. Um, so, when we started, we didn't u- we didn't utilize any type of SKU names for our products as we put them on online. And we soon ran into the same problem you guys did. Yep. We corrected it way earlier than you guys did. And so it wasn't as pain. It was still really freaking painful, but it wasn't quite as painful as it eventually was for you. But I will say I did tell your father-in-law, Jason, he needed to get off his butt and change yep. the SKU naming schema for himself, <laughs> like two years before he actually did it. So yeah, I yeah, right. I rang that bell and I still <laughs> ring that bell because <laughs> I know how important it is. Um so anyway, so what the way we do it, and there's a lot of different ways you can do this, but um and you need to figure out a way to do it. We decided that the one piece that we were going to kind of have travel across all SKUs was the design. So the design has a design ID, a DID, and inside of that DID, there's a design. So I think we we did a million. Uh, you know, so our first one is like you know one million, and the next design is one million one, and then we did a dash determining which version of that DID it was. So we have a light version that goes on light T-shirts. We have a dark version that goes on dark T-shirts. We have a light distressed and a light um, or a dark distressed. So there's four versions of this DID. So it would be 1 million dash um, you know, L for light, which L is going to go on our coffee mugs too. So that's the first part of the skew. Um, and then we're going to determine what product it's going on. So if it's a t-shirt, it's going to be like TSRT or something, you know, that's an, an abbreviated version of that and then another dash. Um, and then it's going to have like an abbreviated version of the color and then it's going to have an abbreviated version of the size. And that is going to be the skew that we use for that. And so some people will also include like the date that SKU was created um, so they know how long that that particular design has been, you know, in right. Uh, you know, in service, um, there are other things you can include in that skew. So, um, so if, for instance, most of our, you know, we do a lot of coffee mugs. So uh, we do MG 11 and MG 15 for the 15 and 11. Um, yeah. If it has a, uh, like a handle uh, inner handle color or something, we'll do. I uh, see I H yeah. I H red or I H black. MG 11, you know, so we know it's an inner handle red, but it's, it's 11 um, with that design ID dash L in front of that. And so we can always tell where the design is. So if somebody's, you know, if somebody down the road in production, if I ship these out, you know, to a, to a drop shipper or whatever, I have them do the work and they say, Hey, where is the design file for this particular skew? because somehow it didn't get made or something. I can look at that SKU and go, okay, this is a mug, and so I know I need to print it on it or I have to create it in a in a mirrored way, you know, on both sides because we put our designs on both sides, and then I can look at that design ID and I can go right to the folder that is also named that design ID and I know that all of the assets, all of the mockups, all of the print files for the different pro- pro- products If we've done it on laser, there's going to be, you know, line art in there. Um, If we've embroidered it, there's going to be, you know, a DST file or an embroidery file in there. Everything will be under that design ID folder. And so I can immediately find whatever I need at any time. Um, And it really so it's it's so your SKU naming schema becomes your file structure as well. And so that one DID that's 1 million, there'll be a folder that's just called 1 million. And inside of that, there'll be mugs. And then there'll be inside of that mug mock-ups and print files and, you know, embroidery mockups and embroidery, yeah. or whatever. And then, you know, the next thing will say hats, you know, and t-shirts and et cetera, et cetera. And everything that goes with that particular design ID is easily found um, and when you have tens of thousands of designs and tens of thousands, if, if not hundreds of thousands of designs, um, you will thank me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> how long did it take you to to land on that particular kind of structure? Were, were there different iterations of that that you were like, oh man, we went through three versions of this, but the fourth one stuck? Or was it, you know, first time's a charm type thing as far as figuring out how that would all work?
0: I think the DID thing was Kind of early on when I was saying, okay, we need to do this, and and I think that the the design itself needs to be the main piece for the skew, yeah. um, and then it was kind of like, okay, well, then what do we call each thing, and and then how do we set that that file structure up? Um, originally, you know, at first it was probably just like just have the folder name the design ID, but just puke everything in individual files in the neck, you right. know, with no. Folder structure inside, and so we probably had to build that out and and make it make sense for us. Um, but yeah, I think it was um, the f- the foundation was there right at the beginning, but it took a little while to kind of fine tune it, which it will for for our listeners too.
1: Yeah, for sure, there'll be some some trial and error, and when you add new products, having to you know figure out how to how to identify that product, like you said, inner handle mug. You know, that's red and black and the abbreviations for that. And and so there's there's definitely some some fine-tuning. And right now, like Travis said, it's all on a spreadsheet. And and our VA goes in and mm-hmm. um and pulls, you know, that's where she can find the source art, correct? Is is through those through those spreadsheets, or depending yeah. on what we're doing. Yeah. So panel. we have
0: we yeah, we have the folders, but then we have an actual spreadsheet that has every single SKU we've ever done um with all of the data that is accompanied with that SKU. So it does, it has, um, it has a link, a direct link to the folder, which is what you're talking about. So you can get to that folder really easily um, just by having that spreadsheet open and entering in a SKU and letting it find it for you.
1: Yeah, and so when we're talking about folders, it's going to be something that can be accessed by anybody, uh, like a Dropbox or a Google Drive or, you know, Teams um, Microsoft Teams is what is used here internally. Um, mm. But those are the things as well that you have to figure out the file structure to, uh, how to build those folder trees and where to store everything and getting the correct link, the shareable link to put in those spreadsheets. So everything is found super easily and efficiently. And so a lot of this does, it is a lot of work, but it's a lot less work. Like I said, when we kind of kind of broached this, this topic is it's a lot less work if you do it up front it's easier yeah, to to totally. try and, and try and <laughs> fine tune the system when there's 15 skus instead of 150,000 of them. So, um it's definitely a lot easier. And we know because when Madeline's store got shut down, yeah, she asked how we should do this. And I said, call Travis and figure out what he does. Cause it works. And so <laughs> we had to go back and with all the, all the designs she's had created for over, you know, a year and a half, it's a lot of stuff. And we had to go yeah. and plug everything back in. And uh, it was just a lot of mindless data entry hours of just sitting and copying, pasting and getting the link and then all of that stuff. So from experience, I can tell you, it's definitely beneficial. And uh, Travis, another thing you wanted to touch on was Airtable. Can yeah, talk to people about Airtable and its functionality, or what it can kind of add to the experience of kind of organization in this way. So
0: I'm I am in no way an expert. I have a friend that I'm in a Google or a Facebook chat with for a long time, uh, his name's Chris and uh, he's in our Facebook group. He has done um, a lot of the same type of things that we're doing with folders with Airtable, And it's kind of like a spreadsheet and a folder system kind of combined in one, um, which is, which is kind of cool. So I, I believe if I, if I understand it right, maybe we'll have him on, you know, for a point of interest or something just to explain it yeah. to us. Um, but basically it, you can have like your DID but then everything that you, that you do can, um, you know, be linked from that one line. So you don't have to have a separate line, you know, for, um, for your t-shirt as you do for your mug, because when you say, okay, I want the mug thing, it changes the skew for you automatically. And you can see that in real time. And, um, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I don't want to, you know, talk too much about it because, um, because i'm lacking in knowledge but i know that he swears by it he's been telling me for over a year he's like oh man you should do it this way and i'm (laughs) at the point where i feel like it's too much work to change again but uh maybe i could be proven wrong and i know chris would would never let me live it down if i was but uh (laughs) it sounds pretty cool from what he's told me about it
1: yeah maybe we'll have to have him on for a point of interest and kind of have him demo that and we'll kind of see how, how it all works could to be very curious and then you can kind of decide it's going to be too much work or not. But, um, anything else before we, I mean, we're at 51 minutes, just about over a little bit yeah. over that. Anything else, uh, before we kind of wrap this one up?
0: No, I think when you talk about or, uh, organization in general, um, you also want to think about how you're going to do your orders. Uh, you know, we use yeah. ship station here. Um, uh, you probably won't need ship station right at the beginning because Etsy has its own, kind of um label creation system as does amazon um you know if you could even go to like a pirate ship if you weren't doing yeah. too many things yeah um but you need to be thinking about that especially as you start getting into like you know 10 15 orders a day if you're shipping them
1: yourself you might want
0: to look into a ship station or something like that yeah or especially if Just you're if you're accruing,
1: like if you're on amazon walmart etsy you're on multiple platforms. Yeah. You don't want to have to go into each of their native back end and process the labels the way they individually process the label, which is inevitably right. going to be just enough different from the other platform to piss you off. <laughs> you just put them all on the ship station and exactly. then it's just the same process. And so that it's kind of that's that's the thing I loved about ship station I do love about ship station is when you're doing multiple platforms or multiple stores for affiliates like we are, everything flows to the same place. And you can set systems and set all that kind of stuff. And it's, it's very, very, very nice. So yeah, keep that in mind as well um, as you're thinking of organization. All right. Anything else, Travis, are we ready to, to, to wrap this guy up? I think we're good. All righty. Well, thank you guys again for listening. Thank you for your patience uh, in the dropping of this show. I know you are all waiting with bated breath for this to drop (laughs) And for you to listen to a brand new episode of the print on demand cast. Uh, thank you guys for your patience. As always, you can come and talk to us uh, in the Facebook group. Printermancast.com slash Facebook is where you can go to join the conversation. If you have questions, if you have a cool file structure, do you have a schema that we all should know about? Have you been schemaing uh on your off time about what you're going to do with your schemas? Let us know. We want to know. We're always open to cool ideas. Um, and just like to see how people, different people operate um, their, their back in their business as well. So that's where you can find us. We're on Instagram, printondemandcast.com slash Instagram and printondemandcast.com slash YouTube are the other two social media channels that we are available on. And if you hate social media, we understand. You can also reach out to us, info at printondemandcast.com. Ask us a question and let us know your ideas, your favorite dad jokes, a point of interest, anything just, we'd love to talk to you guys. And as we stated at the beginning of the show, we are available on all of the podcast platforms where you find your podcast. The podcast cast is there for you, but if you happen to be listening to the Apple podcast app, that is where you can leave that five-star review rate and subscribe, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification button, get notified of new episodes dropping uh, when they do again, 10 bagger. Thank you so much for your five-star review. And we will be Mm -hmm. shouting out the other one that was left in a future date. So if you want to get a quick shout out on the show, please drop a review. We would love to do that. So Travis, anything else before we uh, send it all the way home?
0: No, I agree. Thanks for you guys' patience. We've found Friday to, I don't know, just allows us to procrastinate just enough <laughs> to get it out, get get out an
1: episode each yeah. week. Yeah. So, well, the
0: Avs play out. It's really the Avs' fault. It is
1: know? 100% the Avs' fault because had they not played Monday night, I, I would have been totally fine with recording.
0: Exactly. But So <laughs>
1: that's really, you know, soccer, eh, soccer, hockey is slippery soccer. But if the <laughs> hockey – uh, playoffs weren't happening if the abs weren't in the finals this wouldn't have happened but yeah. they are in the stanley cup finals so Blame them. you you may see some bonus content on our instagram page maybe or something somewhere at facebook group of us celebrating or maybe at a watch party at an away game i don't know but it That'd they're in fun. the cup for the first time in 20 years so it's definitely going to have to be uh, a celebration that they're even there and then of course when they win uh, because they've been playing real great hockey so the hockey non-hockey fans have already tuned out uh come back thank you guys so much uh for the for tuning in we'll see you next week right here on the print on demand cast see ya